What's going on everybody? Sam Rothstein here with The Candid Clarinetist. Today I'm going to bring you another bonus episode and today I'm going to talk about listening objectively. So about a week ago I had the opportunity to be a part of the Digital Clarinet Academy and I gave a class on how do you record yourself and how to listen back and all, you know, all the different strategies that I use and what equipment to use and all that stuff. So I just wanted to give a few highlights from that in case any of you uh, need some ideas on how to record yourself and listen back and what to listen for and what to take notes on and whatnot. So my big thing that I was talking about with them is the ability to listen objectively. And when I say listen objectively, what I mean by that is by the time you get to the recording process of, you know, preparing for something, an audition, a competition, you know, grad school, whatever your uh, recital, whatever you're doing, at that point in time, you shouldn't be making subjective and musical decisions. I think that when you're recording yourself, you want to get feedback on a potential finished product. And so when I say listen objectively, you want to be listening for things like intonation, rhythm, legato, dynamics. Are these things coming across? Not necessarily the choices you make. And this is not to say that you can't change your choices once you get to this point, but I think that at the point that you're recording, most of those decisions should have already been made. And so uh, that's one big thing that I really preach when I talk to people about recording themselves and listening back is that I really encourage them to listen objectively. And uh, I'm just going to go through a few things here that, that, that have worked for me. This is not to say it's a one-size-fits-all, but... These are just some things that I've sort of gathered throughout my years of recording myself and listening back and things that really work for me. So uh, how to listen back. When you're listening back to a recording that you made, take notes and only take notes on what you feel needs improvement. Also, to that same point, practice and only practice what you have targeted through your objective listening. This is super important. We've all gone through the process where we play Mendelssohn Scherzo, we record it, it sounds great, and then we go back later in the day and we practice it again for another two hours. In my opinion, that is not helping you. That recording is not helping you improve on what you put on the recording. I think that you need to really target certain things in order to target your practicing to make yourself more efficient. So you should only be, like I said before, you should only be recording what you've determined to be musically correct. Um, and absolutely you can change musical decisions, but these should probably be caught earlier in the process rather than when you get to the recording stage. And I think that when you're listening back, you want to target specific things. So for example, in the Mendelssohn Scherzo, is your rhythm perfect in all places? Are the trills even? Stuff like that is stuff that you can sort of come out of body and take a listen to and figure out if that's what you need to practice specifically. And the best part about what I like to preach is that if things sound good and you don't feel like anything needs improvement, then you don't have to practice it the rest of the day. You can set it aside, come back to it the next day, get another recording of it, and then maybe that day you have something that you need to improve. So things you should listen for uh, when you're listening objectively. Sound, intonation, uh, relative intonation is very important. I couldn't care less if you played at A440 or A444. If you're in tune with yourself, that is the most important thing, particularly for auditions. Rhythm, steadiness and accuracy of the rhythm, Make sure, making sure you're not speeding up or slowing down uh, while you're playing, making sure that your triplets are actually triplets and they're not 
you know, your dotted 16ths are not turning, dotted eighth 16ths are not turning into triplets, all that good stuff. That's, that's the rhythmic things that you should be looking for. Legato, are your notes even? Musicality, are you saying something with your music? Dynamics, are your fortes registering forte? Are your pianos registering piano? Those are very important things to take account. Articulation, is it clear and clean? Uh, clarity and musical ideas is what you planned and what you tried to execute. Is that coming across on the recording? Uh, and another thing too with listening objectively is you you kind of want to step outside of your own self when you're listening. You want to listen as if someone else is listening to you play. It's very, very difficult to do, but I think if you take enough time and separate yourself from what you're hearing, from what you have previously experienced while you were playing, that's very important. Uh, tempo. Evenness of rubato, are your accelerandos even, uh, are your retardandos even, very important. And also some like extraneous noises that may interfere with your ability to create music, like is there a certain key on your instrument that's making really loud noise, stuff like that is, is things that you can listen to objectively. Um, again, also it, it's also okay to take notes when you feel that you executed something very well. I think that it's important to give yourself confidence when you're recording, you don't want to just completely tear yourself down and be like, oh, this was bad, this was bad, this was bad, I need to improve this, I need to improve this. It's okay to take things, to take notes on things that you think that you did really well. Um, try not to obsess over your recordings. I think that listening once or twice and then moving on is, is just fine, because remember that the people listening will likely only be listening once, and so you want to listen with fresh ears and you don't want to just sit there and play something on repeat for 10, 15 times, because then you'll find little things that you don't like every time. And, and really like when the person, when you're being, whatever you're being adjudicated on, that person is only going to listen to it once. So keep that in mind. Um, some other miscellaneous recording tips that I've sort of developed over the years is, uh, I think you should record in different rooms, uh, all different kinds of rooms, as many rooms as you can record in do so. You want dead rooms, you want live rooms, big rooms, small rooms, carpeted, hardwood, churches, concert halls, practice rooms, rehearsal halls, any room that you can get in and set up and put your recording device down, that's a room that you want to record in. Um, every different concert, concert hall is completely different acoustically, and you want to be able to respond quickly in those situations, knowing the difference in acoustics and what you need to do to compensate for various things. Um, if you're preparing for an audition, even having someone in the room will help to prepare you for the stress of an audition. People don't always have to offer comments. They can just sit down. Uh, they can be musical or non-musical people. I get really stressed out playing for my family, ironically enough. And so I like to have, you know, if I'm visiting my parents, I like to have my mom and dad sit down in the room and I'll play a list for them. And it's great. Uh, practice in the setting you're preparing for. So if you're preparing for an audition, do at least one recording using the clothes that you would be wearing while you're going to take the audition. We've all dressed in our uh, suits or tails or whatever you have, and it just feels completely different to play in, in that. So make sure that you're, you're at least doing one run-through where you're wearing what you're going to be auditioning in. Uh, adversity training. I, I, love, I love this with recording. I, I, th I think that putting ourselves in situations where our body is responding differently is, is really important to uh, training ourselves for situations like auditions or recitals so record yourself first thing in the morning with no warm-up record yourself after climbing a set of stairs record yourself after taking a walk around the house or apartment complex practice walking on stage while carrying your music and instruments i will tell you that most stages do not have practice rooms that are 
right across the the hall from the um from the stage. So you're going to oftentimes have to take an elevator or a couple set of stairs or whatever. So it's, it's different when you have to carry a bass clarinet and a clarinet and walk up all these stairs and be walking on your feet for a little bit and then setting yourself down and then having to play. It's a totally different thing than having all your stuff set up in a practice room. And then you're just recording right there. So practice that stuff. Another thing I like to do is set up a screen and record while playing to a screen. So you, you know exactly what it's going to be like if you're on stage, taking an audition Maybe set some rugs on the ground. That's an often thing that happens during auditions. Um, and when you're listening back, uh, don't think as a clarinet player. Think as a musician. I think this is really important to know that most audition committees are going to have no more than two, maximum three clarinetists on them. And oftentimes they're made up of nine, 10, 11 people. So think as a musician, not as a clarinetist. We all know the idiosyncrasies of the clarinet. So make sure that you are removing yourself from that and not excusing those things. Play for as many people as possible. Musician, like I said before, musicians, not musicians. Play for people who can listen objectively. You want to play for your friends who can say, hey, that rhythm's not really right there. Hey, your intonation's off a little bit. You know, that forte didn't really come through. Those are the people that you want to play for. You don't really want to play for the people that are going to sit down and tell them and tell you how they would phrase something. And we all have friends like that, and they're great, and we love them, but... They're not especially great for this situation. So play for people who can listen objectively and give you feedback. Like I said before, clarinetists and non-clarinetists, most of the people that I play for when I'm practicing for auditions and recording myself are non-clarinetists because I want musicians to listen to myself play. I don't, I don't want clarinetists to listen to me play. Um, that's not entirely true, but I think that it's important to have non-clarinetists listening to you. Remember that the goal of recording yourself is to get better. You won't achieve this goal if you can't listen objectively. Recognize your weaknesses and use it as a tool for improvement. It's really, really important that we use this as a learning experience. Oftentimes, it's best to identify one or two things that you can target in your practicing to improve after listening to a recording. As I said before, I think that if you isolate one or two things and you really focus on making those one or two things better, Recording yourself is going to become a really, really useful and powerful tool. Um, recording yourself can be used as a performance practice. There's a difference between the practice room and making a recording of your progress. Use it as a tool to make yourself nervous. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a, a big difference between sitting there in the practice room for half an hour and just shredding daftness nonstop and then turning the recording device on because now... When you turn the recording device on, you make it immortal forever. It's on the recording device. So use it as a tool to make yourself nervous. It's a performance practice. That's what you want to do. And then one last thing I'm going to leave you with is that sometimes it feels worse than it sounds and vice versa. Excuse me, and vice versa. Our ears and other senses can deceive us. And I think that it's important to, to take the recording as sort of your baseline rather than how it felt. There's been times where I felt terrible during a run through of an audition list. And then I listened back to the recording and was like, Oh, actually that's pretty good. And then there've been times that it felt great. And then I listened back to the recording and I'm like, Oh wow, I didn't really take any risks or this didn't come across or whatever. So really listen to your recordings and, and figure out that 
you know, just because maybe it feels good doesn't necessarily mean that it came across well. And, and the opposite is true as well. It might not feel good, but it might come across well on the recording. So these are just some sort of tips that I've had for recording yourself over the years. Um, it's something that I've thought a lot about, and it's taken me a while to sort of hone my own process in terms of recording. But I just wanted to sort of put this out there and see if it was useful for anybody. I hope you learned something from this episode and you can take a, a, a bit here and there and help improve uh, in your own practicing and your own recording of yourself. Uh, once again, my name is Sam Rothstein. I'm the acting principal clarinet of the Indianapolis Symphony, and this is the Candid Clarinetist Podcast. If you guys are not following us, make sure to follow us on Instagram. I've been posting a lot of videos of myself playing, both in the orchestra and in the practice room. Uh, I'd love to get feedback about the podcast, or if you have any questions for me, please let me know. You can visit the website, candidclarinetistpodcast.com. And thank you all for listening, and I hope to catch you on the next episode.